0: Hi, and welcome to the C-Suite Perspective Podcast, where we talk about systems and processes. My name is Chris Gilseth, and I'm the COO of Amazatic Solutions, an agency that develops apps and custom software solutions. The mission of this podcast is to bring together experienced leaders so that we can share ideas and together elevate the industry. If you want to be a guest on our show or know somebody that's a good fit, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That dot forward slash apply. Hi, everyone, and welcome to C-Suite Perspective. Today, I have with me Jonathan Kendall. He's the co-founder and executive director of Vir- Virtual Workers Now, and you have quite an interesting background, and, and I would like to dive a little bit into that and then um, get into, obviously, what you guys do now and how that relates to, to our audience in terms of, of systems and everything. Because kind of as, as the name says itself, uh, or, or it's self-explanatory, if you want, um, deal with virtual workers. But that can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. And I know there's a lot of people that have tried working with virtual workers and there's a lot of people that have been very successful with it. And a lot of people that have run into a lot of challenges. So I'm really excited about having you on our podcast today, because I'm sure that you can share a lot of, of tips and tricks being in the situation or position that you're in. So thank you for joining us today.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: So I wanted to first, Go a little bit back in in your kind of history, and and you've been part of MentorBox, and you've also been part of uh, retail e-commerce ventures. Which essentially, for those that don't know, uh, well, I'll let you explain that. I can explain, but it's maybe better coming for you because you were you were part of it.
1: Yeah. So I'll give you just a quick bio, and I think everything can kind of be captured.
0: So I was uh, employee
1: number one at a company called MentorBox, um, which was sort of a competitor of Audible and Masterclass. So We would condense books, but in a video format. And so we had about 400 books in an app format um, and you know, had New York Times bestselling authors, and Pulitzer Prize winners, Nobel Prize winners, so very high-level authors. Uh, and uh, that company you know, scaled. I became the CEO of that company. And then the parent company, Retail E-Commerce Ventures, uh, started acquiring uh, you know, during the pandemic uh, large American brands that were basically going out of business due to, you know, shutdowns and also not being able to switch quickly enough to e-commerce. So companies like Pier One Imports, Dress Barn, uh, Steinmark, Model Sporting Goods, Radio Shack, lots of you know, great American brands, if you will. Uh, and my position where, there was to um, help in the uh, acquisition so you know raising capital and since then i uh, you know, have two companies right now and, uh, one helps companies raise capital in a similar way that we did there um, uh, they're right the finance around and then we also uh, i have a virtual now oh, end us
0: take a, take a break there and take to try to redo that your voice uh, or your audio completely cut out there oh, okay um
1: start back to from retail e-commerce ventures maybe
0: yeah let's do that in three two one go
1: okay so then after mentor box um, i worked for the parent company which is called retail e-commerce ventures which during the pandemic acquired Pier one Imports, dress bonds radio shack Model sporting goods a lot of great american brands uh, and the thesis is to switch them from brick and mortar um, to e-commerce stores and obviously that's the trend in the market. Uh, so my position there was to uh, help with the fundraising. Uh, so that led to now, I have two companies. One helps startups um, and established companies raise capital at scale, and then I have another company called Virtual Worker Now as you referenced earlier, and we do uh, full backend services uh, for e-commerce stores and digital marketing agencies. So everything from uh, social media, to uh, the newsletter, to customer support, to social media moderation, to funnel building, to Shopify administrative, back-end services. So basically anything your company might need for the digital marketing e-commerce space, uh, we provide services for that.
0: Yeah. And so we talked a little bit, or I mentioned that you know a lot of people have tried virtual workers and have had different experiences with that. But I actually want to take kind of one step back from that, and I want to ask, when should somebody consider hiring a virtual worker versus somebody internal, for example?
1: Yeah, I would say if you're doing it in a, in a traditional route where you don't have systems and you're just kind of throwing something at the wall of Upwork or Fiverr, then uh, it's going to be difficult to find someone that's you know, highly qualified in your budget, but you know company like mine or you know maybe one of our competitors if you can find an agency that uh, provides specialists not virtual assistants but specialists for a particular task so a social media specialist or a customer specialist a sales specialist or a funnel building specialist someone that can solve the next most important problem in your company then definitely i would you know hire outsource because one is a lot more cost effective um, and they're going to become pre-trained. So for example, with my company, we have our own SOPs that we've spent, you know, or or advised on hundreds of millions of dollars in advertising. spent. Our social media uh, clients have uh, tens of millions of social media followers. So we, we work in the real world of like high stakes, right? There were, there's actual conversions, there's actual leads, there's actual sales. There's actual customers you know that are upset about something and you know and they need help on customer support so you need I think to work with someone that isn't going to come in as a warm body and say you know okay this person is a little bit more inexpensive but you have to kind of teach them from scratch right? right I think it's better to, to work with someone that already has you know, a highly specialized skill uh, to solve the problem that you need to solve it and I would say that more importantly than that is this idea of, you know, your zone of genius. And the sooner you can the sooner you can be self-aware to know that what you should be doing to move the needle, your one thing, like Gary Keller says, you know, whatever that is, that's what you should be doing as much as possible. And the moment that you can afford, if you have a little bit of room, to start delegating out administrative stuff or social media stuff or customers, you know, then You should be doing that as quickly as possible because even though you may feel like, you know, your margins are a little bit lower in the short term, if you're thinking at scale, you know, you should be doing what is the needle mover of your company and not doing, you know, lower
0: level. So what I'm I'm hearing you say, if I can rephrase that, uh, is essentially know what you're really good at, find the next most important thing, because at that point you have a very specific task or job description if you want. And then you can then start to search for specific qualifications to meet those versus just having a gener- general or generic virtual assistant that you hope can do everything under the sun for you. Does that ever work to get just a, a VA that can do everything for you?
1: Yeah.
0: Like for, for one VA or, or should you should have like a series of VAs? No, I
1: mean, you can't hire, you know, You should have someone that's solving a specific problem for your company. Yeah. That's that's the way to think about it. And I, I think about business as, you know, first you have your product or your service, and then you have a point of sale. So it might be your funnel or your, your point of setting. And then you have marketing. And then once you get into your first sales, you want to increase that value. And, you know, that machine, business is just, in my opinion, like, a machine that gives value to the most people that you possibly can get, right? And if if you're not under, like, it starts with self-awareness of the data of your machine, right? So if you're getting lots of people that go to your website, but no one's converting into a lead or sales, then your problem has to do with your point of sale. If you have a really amazing point of sale, and if someone lands on your page, you have 20% chance that they're going to fill out a form and apply for, for something, then your problem is you need more leads. So now you have a marketing problem, right? If you have a brilliant machine and people are buying one time, but no one's buying a subscription or buying additional products, then you have a lifetime value problem. And each one of those has you know, a, a series of solutions that you can apply for those problems. And so it starts with self-awareness of your machine. You have to look at it like an engineer. What is, what is holding me back from the next step and hiring a VA when you really need an ad buyer, you know that doesn't make any sense. Or you know hiring um, a a VA when you really need a copywriter to rewrite the the pitch on your on your landing page. You know a copywriter is very different than a VA. So our company has the we have twelve departments. We have copywriting graphic design, video editing, social media, customer support, social media moderation, web development, coding, everything that you might need for the back end of you know a social uh, a, an e commerce. Or a digital marketing system, because we know that all of those problems exist for every company. Now, what is your problem? What is your next problem? That's up to you to decide and and be self aware
0: to know. Well, and it's interesting what you're bringing up because a lot of times, you know, when a company grows or already is at at a decent size and they are looking to hire somebody internally they tend to be pretty specific. Not always, I mean, there's there's exceptions, but in general, it's a specific role they wanna hire for. And usually that's with the intention that we have a specific you know, problem we need to solve or a level of expertise that we need to bring in or something. And so it's kind of interesting to observe that a lot of times when people start to talk about hiring a virtual assistant, all of a sudden there's this expectation that, well, I can hire this one person that can do everything for me and my life is going to be easy and I can lay back and you know zip smoothies or whatever I want to do you know and and what you're saying there is so true though because it's not like that you need to still know and identify that talent that you need and what problem they are going to solve for you so I, I I think that was a good point to to bring out there um you talked also about the machine and understanding the yeah, machine of your organization.
1: Of you think that you're Yeah, I think it's, it's it's a bit ironic that you know when you're hiring someone in house, you are hiring for a specialization and then you're gonna pay, you know, probably eighty to ninety percent off your, you know, what you would pay in house, but you expect, you know, five X or ten X the skill set and you think that the person is gonna you know just generically be good at everything, and that's not to say that if you have someone with high IQ and ambition, that over time you know you can't assign them courses and you know to to allow them to acquire more skills. You know my assistant, for example, uh, you know she knows how to build a Shopify store now because I've had her try to you know get into various Shopify stores and solve emergency problems, and now she's an expert because she kind of had to. So yeah, she started as a VA, and now she can build a Shopify store from scratch because that's in the modern day and age. Like, there's so much information out there, and and the software is trying to make it easy for you to to be able to use it. You know, even if you're not an expert. Um, but right. I, I think that's
0: fine. Be, you but you that's that's not why you hired her, though.
1: Some time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. And so I think that's fine. You know, helping people evolve and grow over time, even if they are an outsourced, you know, body. Essentially, um, yeah. I've used people too, and then I have people right now, and I think that the more I can help train and educate them to become better at what they're doing, and maybe add to their skill sets, I mean, the more valuable they become to me, and and so it's in my best interest to do that. Yeah, but okay. to expect them to know everything from the start is. Not quite realistic, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of times what I recommend for business owners is to uh, act like they're consulting themselves, because I think a lot of times what we get you know, emotional or you know, kind of we we're worrying about how we feel about it or uh, momentum of what's happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you were at a conference and someone asked you for advice and they have the exact same problem that like you have you would be able to give them more clear headed, you know, this, then that, then this, than that kind of a style of advice. But for whatever reason, when it's in our own business, sometimes we're not able to clear the clouds, you know, of, of our own emotions and our own team and you know, whatever the the energy is you know, within our own company. So I recommend thinking, you know, getting out, almost like meditation, like getting outside of yourself, observing your business, observing yourself, like you're consulting yourself. And now if you do that, and also you base it on data, because to me, you know, business is just, I, I always bring it back down to the income, state, You know, like how much are you spending on marketing on what channels, how effective is it? What's your conversion rate of, a, you know, lead to a close? What's your margin? Why is your margin that way? What's your overhead? You know, all of this, it's all math to me. And I think when you look at the data, it helps you make decisions more, more clear-headed.
0: You bring up a very interesting point, and I I actually have to catch myself there a little bit too, because as soon as yesterday, I was thinking about some some people I was working with and helping them solve some some challenges in their organizations, and where I'm like, well. We're not perfect on those things in our organization either. We're getting there. We have a roadmap. We know how to get there. But I can still know how to present to them kind of our findings and what you know what we're doing essentially. And that's it's also brings me all the way back kind on of the first time I ever thought anything in that direction, I think, was you know, when I was a teenager, I was learning to play basketball and and I could teach somebody to shoot the perfect shot before I had the perfect shot myself because I knew the mechanics, but I was still working on the motions of it myself, you know? And, and so I, I like that point. I hadn't thought of it in that sense that if you think of yourself as a consultant, if somebody sat next to me, had the same problem as me, what would I tell them? It's yeah. a pretty good indicator. I like that. That's like, I'm going to take that one home too.
1: Another, another thought experiment. Uh, I studied philosophy in school. So I like these like thought experiments and uh, I, I put on what I call the dictator hat, which is when it, it it forces me to not point out the problem, but it forces me to uh, suggest a solution. And I often ask my executives to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, so step one, you identified the problem. You know, Identifying a problem is step one. But also, you know, very quickly, you have five minutes. What are the three or four potential solutions? OK, now you have five more minutes. Which one is the best and why? And then you're now articulated why we're going to solve this problem in this way, or at least try to. And rather than allow it, the same thing with copywriting. I always tell my copywriters, like, if you're not sure how to write this hook or this headline, write 20. Like, just stop, you know, just, just get it out. Get it out on a piece of paper. And you're going to be three of them are going to be pretty good, right? And then right. you choose the you know the top one, and then iterate five versions of that, and all of a sudden you got your answer in ten minutes. Whereas I think a lot of times we we allow ourselves to ruminate and you know think about it too much, feel like about it. Whereas if we just put on our dictator hat and say, "Listen, emergency! This is the problem. Come up with a solution." A lot of times, what comes to mind, this this is like Malcolm Gladwell's book Blink. You know, once you're once you have mastery. 99% of the time, the first thing that comes to
0: your brain is you usually- Right. And what you're ex- describing here is also about speed and focus. Yeah. And the more we think about it, the more unfocused we become, which means that our solutions can be more diluted as well. I, I like the things that you just outlined because I always enjoy when we can give our audience something tangible that they can you know, actually take away from the podcast and implement in their business. So when you say, you know, identify the, the idea or the problem, do you have any like steps or anything like how you coach your people to have, how to actually go about doing that? Because I think some people might, you know, they know they have problems, but they don't know necessarily exactly how to define them.
1: Yeah. I would say it, it, there's a a few markers in your company. If you you think about the customer journey, the customer journey is the same apple as it is for mercedes-benz as it is for anyone as it is for Amazon, or going to a day like there's there's a pattern recognition here where if you think mm-hmm. about a business as a solution to a problem you start with you know a person who has a problem right so like your avatar customer and right. then you have to bring them to awareness so there's some form of marketing some way right and then there's a cost turning them into someone that's aware, right? To an actual lead. So that would be like an appointment or getting them to show up to your website or getting them to uh, show up to the Denny's. You know, there's 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 stages, right? So person, then cost per view or like general marketing and then cost for making them an actual lead mm-hmm. and then cost for acquiring their information. So oftentimes it would be like an advanced part or email or text where you can then now you have permission to market them for, for free indefinitely, right? So cost for making them like a qualified. And then there's a the cost for acquisition or cost for purchase, depending on what you think about it. And there's the average order value. Like, would you like prize with that? And then there's the lifetime value of the customer. And all these are numbers and their Sorry, Right. What percentage of the people that see your billboard actually become a lead? How many people that become a lead, turn into a qualified lead because they give you some piece of information how many of those become customers how many of those buy the first product how many of those buy the, the VIP package or the big package? how many of those end up buying subscription or buy you know the, the highest ticket product over time and then how many of those give a referral or become an affiliate so all of this is data it's, that's why I said it, it's numbers and so if you if you're looking at your conversion percentage and you say wow you know my cost per thousand views is absolutely you know, astronomical. Book. I'm getting millions and millions of people viewing my stuff because you know I have this YouTube channel, this podcast, and it's you know got this crazy organic reach. So I have you know, all of these this, these views, but no one's going to my website. Okay, well now we found the problem. The problem is that your your offer or your call to action on your organic material is not strong enough to turn someone that's a passive listener. Into a potential customer, or at least they're not even hearing the pitch because they're not even going to the website, right? Or they're not showing up to the store. So there's there's a problem. That's that's your problem. So now you know how do you solve that problem? Well, you can solve the problem, with, uh, you know, copywriting, or you know, better video editing, or you know, it could be graphic design where you know there's an arrow pointing down. There's all sorts of mechanical solutions to how to solve this problem to get someone that viewed your material to actually click on the material, but if you don't have that data, you're just blind, right? Whereas okay. everyone is if everyone is clicking on, not only is it, you know, the cost, per, let's say 50% of people that see your ad are clicking on it, right? But it costs $10 for someone to view your ad, well then that's your problem. Your problem is you need to lower your cost per view. Or if every you're getting cost per view is low, cost per click is low, but no one's converting on your website, well, then your offer, your prices up or right. So it's, it's, you can like, if I see all those numbers in just an Excel sheet, I'll tell you what your problem is like. In, in and so having that one, having that data and then being able to look at it fluently, like seeing the matrix, if you will, and what that data means. And now you say, oh, I have a conversion problem. Well, conversion problems are usually offer or price, right? So. Yep. Or it could be that the design is so bad that people don't trust you, you know, or the copywriting is so bad that you know, people don't trust you. You know, there's, there's lots of potential problems, but at least at least we know it's there's something wrong with my elbow and not my knee. Like that's right, problem. exactly. You know, <laughs> um, that's it's, it's like being a being a doctor or consultant and diagnosing your own problem. And then once you once you have that problem. Now you can suggest solutions. And one of those solutions might be to hire someone to solve it for you. And then you want to ask yourself, how can I do that more cost-effectively or efficient? And that's where virtual work is
0: Right. And now, obviously, what you outline is in terms of a, a digital marketing perspective or in general marketing. Um, but obviously, a lot of the same principles apply also to other areas of business where if you, you, know, you have the information, the data points, essentially, whatever they might look like, then you can use those to at least get a, you know, a proximity of where the problem is, and then you can dive deeper into there and, and look at, you know, what caused that in the first place. So. Um, yeah,
1: and I would, I would, I would push back a little bit on just the idea that like there's other types of business that aren't digital marketing because now, like, if you just like the the data of just walking around in a city or on your street or looking right, at
0: it, right. No I I, I didn't Everyone other had, businesses this like, more than more than other you know the, the the digital marketing aspect of your business is one aspect of yeah. your business but you have like yeah. product management or fulfillment there yeah. other aspects yeah. and and using yeah. the data there too that's what I was referring yeah.
1: to 100%, so. yeah. I I yeah. I got to push I got to say the Gary Vee that like you know even even like top level B2B executives that are going to sign a you know $10 million contract with you they're mm-hmm. also on their phone you know so you can you can <laughs> buy you know what i mean like because i have for my my capital raising company uh you know the average check size is two hundred thousand dollars yeah um, you know so we're we're finding people that are investing two hundred thousand dollars on average and we're finding them through you know instagram or facebook or you know Google this is Twitter true sort of because hey they're people too you know and they're on youtube as well <laughs>
0: No, and that is very true. I had a conversation with one this morning and and uh, that was working on you know some enterprise clients and I said, remember, yes, they're big companies, but they're still people.
1: They're they people still have
0: the same problems you and I have. Don't forget that. They
1: want, yeah, they want treat them safety. as such, you know. Yeah, yeah, they want safety, they want freedom, you know, they want a legacy, they want purpose, they want to get back to the community. You want to take care of your family, like everything we're all doing. We're all doing everything for like the same six psychological triggers. Everything, yep. do, you know,
0: is reduces
1: down, which is, you know, kind of a copywriting.
0: You know you oh, your, your audio dropped again.
1: Is it better now? Yeah. Better now. Which is that's sort of a copywriting lesson in and of itself is that a lot of times you know, especially more practical or like engineer minded or pragmatic executives will be obsessed with their own features of the product and it's like well it's look it's you know we can prove that it's better right but people mm-hmm. don't buy that practically they buy you know benefits they, they buy emotion they buy results you're not going to you're not going to sell you know that that Mercedes Benz SUV because of you know, the type of uh, material in the tire you're going to buy it because it's going to keep your family safe, and 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 be a, a status symbol to stand Like that's why people are going to buy it. You know they're not going to buy it because of the type of metal in the you know undercarriage. Like you know features don't really matter.
0: Yeah, so true. I made that mistake before, and I don't think I ever will again. <laughs> yeah. So hey, it's been great to have you on our show today. I want to ask you a couple of last questions. If you could. You know, you talked about being part of MentorBox. So if you would recommend any book to somebody, just one book, what's your kind of top recommendation? One book. I think
1: for this level, um, Good to Great by Jim Collins. All right. I wouldn't say that for, you know, a, an employee necessarily, or even a middle-level manager. Or, but it, you're good, if you really are ambitious, And you want to build, you know, at least with the intention of, like, building a top 100 company. Uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great is an incredible deconstruction, and it's very data-driven, very academic, on what makes the top companies in the world uh, the most effective. And
0: I'll give you a little teaser, is that uh, it has to do with leadership. Mm -hmm. The other question I have is, is there a favorite tool or piece of software or something that you like and it's kind of one of your go-tos that you would recommend people look into
1: yeah, our software stack we heavily use uh, ClickUp up and uh, go high level those are two okay. softwares that i i recommend and, people look at. go high level is a, a competitor of salesforce and i would say that it does you know probably 95 percent of what you need except instead of spending $200,000 in six months to build out a Salesforce system. You can, you can build out your own, you know, version and go high level for, you know, within a week and, uh, at 95% off the price. And ClickUp is a sort of competitor of Trello or, uh, Airtable or Monday, you know, just a, like a very, uh, advanced project management system. But, uh, it's, I think I've tried all of them, and I think that quick up is
0: probably the best. Thanks for sharing that. Um, well, we're going to get to how people can um, get a hold of you if they, if they want to. But before that, just a thought that I had. And uh, well, actually, two thoughts. I watched one of your or some of your Instagram reels, and one of them you talk about being a robot. Now, obviously, you're not talking about being inhumane and emo- void of emotion. Um, but you are talking about kind of taking that, you know, you, until now we talked about the company as machinery, but kind of taking your, your own personal tasks and routines and structuring them a little bit better too. So, um, check, check that out for those, of you You know, go, go to Jonathan's Instagram handle, and look, look at that and see what he talks about there. Uh, and the other thought that I had and that we haven't necessarily addressed, we, we, we've kind of addressed the the part of hiring somebody uh, for, you know, a specific role in a company being your business owner or, or, you know, a manager that needs to fill a role kind of thing. And a thought that I've had, and and this is something that maybe people can consider and, and I know some do, but probably not as many as could is, well, you may not be a manager or a business owner or something, but, you still have a lot on your plate these days. Everybody has a lot of their their on their plates. Have you considered what are some of the things you could offload and maybe have somebody do, and essentially create a team with them and say, and, and you know, offload your whether it's more challenging or more more mundane, depending on the skill and I guess how much you want to want to pay to to kind of offload that off your shoulders. But that's certainly an approach that I think. Um, is something that we're probably going to see growing as a trend going forward. Uh, and I just wanted to put it out there so that people can be aware that if you're listening and you're not a business owner, you don't feel that, you know, hiring somebody as a virtual assistant or, or virtual worker of any sorts um, is for you. Well, there, there may be still reasons that you want to do that to help out yourself in your own life.
1: Yeah. I, one of my Virtual mentors, I'm sure I'll meet him one day, but his name is Naval Ravikhan. He's the founder of Angel. He says that there is, uh, in business and in life, to really scale, you need to take advantage of leverage, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Archimedes lever, you know, give me a long enough lever, I can move the world. And he says that there's three types of leverage one is uh, human capital, right? So basically, being able to clone yourself or do more with other people, right? and this is kind of directly what we're talking about. Also, uh, capital, you know, money. Um, and then also software or scalable media. And I would argue that I think a fourth is like uh, ideas, like memes, like mantras, uh, you know, core values, that kind of thing can really scale. And probably, you know, that. What is that? But I mean, you got to just ask yourself, you know, what are, is it a software, you know, that you need? Do you need like what you're this podcast is internally scalable. Right? This, would be, you know, this is going to take up the same amount of time, whether it's viewed you know, 50 million times or it's going to be viewed you know, 100 times. Right? It's, it, it costs the same amount of time and, and energy for us. Is it a software like LookUp or a or, you know, website or something that you can do the sales for you while you're sleeping? Um, is it social media, you know, something like that, right? Or is it? That you might need some investors because you have a machine that works, but you know maybe you're cash flow negative for three months and then you break even and you just need to scale it up by getting capital. That's that's you know, one thing. But also, you know, if you're trying to do everything by yourself, there's a limit. Yeah, and you know, I, I mean, I, I just went to. Uh, I'm always going to events at Birmingham. You know, books. I was just in a, a really great event agency companies and uh, you know there most of what we talked about there was like HR and leadership and you know systematizing your team and getting them bought in and, and, and working most efficiently because you you as a as an owner of a company or manager of other people or just as you know an autonomous human that wants to give more value to the world you know and having a team behind you, scales your ability to give value and so because i have you know an executive team when i have this event you know we immediately have an emergency meeting after the event and i say okay these are the you know 16 policies that we're going to implement and because i have another team that they have teams and they have teams, i can scale these six ideas that i i had uh, from this event to now you know 350 people and, you know, all of our clients and then all of our clients' people. And so, you know, my Archimedes lever with having more people, you know, that are bought into the same vision is so much stronger. And so I can give more value to the world. And obviously, you know, that is, uh, you know, if the universe is fair, that's going to come back around and give me more, <coughs> for, you know, more, you know, time, freedom and financial freedom. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. I mean, <coughs> Excuse if you, me so you know, if you're, that, that
1: if you're, if you're serious if you're serious you know you gotta if you're serious about scaling you're definitely gonna
0: need it. it's really important to understand that part with the, that leverage you talk about and how that <clears throat> allows you to bring more value to the world and possibly your teams for that matter and I think sometimes people get a little concerned that if they systematize things too much that people are gonna feel Either work too hard, or or that the whole kind of experience becomes too impersonal. And I want to attest to the opposite of that because we had a soft, <clears throat> we had a software project that we did uh, just recently, and um I was looking at the process and and it was running. You know, it's very easy that any kind of project runs you know, over time, this one was, and we're pretty good at staying on time, but this one was, yeah. So I think a lot of people, when they hear about systems, and I love how you brought in that it actually allows you as an individual to bring more value to your clients and to the world in general. And I think even the teams themselves are benefited by that. But a lot of times I get this sense that people are a little bit worried about being too systematized because they're either afraid of overworking people or, um, creating a kind of an environment where it feels impersonal and I want to test the opposite of that because we had a software project and you know with most projects it's easy that things run run over we are pretty good at staying to our deadlines but we had one project that was just much more complex than than originally anticipated and so I looked at what we were doing and I stepped in and restructured some of how we managed our our that particular project and It was amazing. We got over 100% improvements in performance. And I was somewhat concerned that the developers were gonna feel too pushed. But what they actually told me was, hey, Chris, thank you. You have made our work environment so much better. Their team lead said, you know what? I've been trying to get these guys to communicate because they used to be in an office, but because of COVID they're all like, you know, remote from home now. And he's like, I've been trying to get them for months to communicate. They are finally doing it. And so focus, systems, processes are actually a good thing. And they help people do a better job. So thanks for bringing that up, too. Last question. How can people contact you? Um, I think I'm most uh,
1: available on Instagram. So you can probably put show notes. Jonathan
0: J O N A T H O N. Oh, your audio is breaking up there. Can you repeat that? Yeah, I'm most
1: available on Instagram. So Jonathan.Kendall Kendall J O N A T H O N. Dot K E N D A L L. Or if you you know want to work with us directly, you can go to virtualworkernow.com and uh, you know, any major new partner. I'm usually first of all at least you know, the chat so you can you know, fill out our, our form if you, if you have any so if you have any uh, needs for your company or you even just want to talk business uh, because you, you like you know, the vibe of this conversation, happy to talk with you just fill out a form on worker now.com and, uh, and chat so we can help.
0: sounds good thank you again Jonathan for coming on this uh, podcast, you've shared a lot of things that have me Think and I hope that our audience are really taking home some of the things that they can um, use and apply in their own businesses, their own lives as well. Thank you. Until next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode of C Suite Perspective. If you would like to be a guest on our show, go to go.amazatic.com forward slash apply. That is G O dot a-m-a-z-a-t-i-c dot com forward slash apply and don't forget to hit subscribe to c-suite perspective systems and processes and leave us a review feel free to also share it with your friends and colleagues through your favorite social media channels and feel free to reach out and connect via social media or go to our website amazatic.com. that is a-m-a-z-a My name is Chris, and I thank you for listening to C-Suite Perspective Systems and Processes.